Okay, so I'm going to just read a few verses from Isaiah. This is, a, this is a passage that was brought to us prophetically at the leadership conference two years ago, um, where it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. And what you've got there is a call to action in the present um, with a promise for the future. This is, what, this is what you will do. You will possess the nations. You will spread out from, you know, from east to west. It's future, but the, the present action as a result of that is don't hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And one of the things you always have, to, you always have going on in, I guess, a uh, um, New Testament uh, church atmosphere is the lengthening and the strengthening. And both are vital and both are important. And, and I guess in, in, in a local church life, you know, there are seasons where you may, where you may emphasize the one over the other uh, in terms of kind of where you're at. But as a movement, you've got to constantly be talking about both, both are vital and both are important. And I guess part of what we want to do today is really um, hammer home the vital importance um, that we are con- constantly in that lengthening and that lengthening kind of dynamic. Um, Jesus said that this, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to every people group and then the end will come. There's, a, there's an eschatological deal going on with, with us reaching the ends of the earth. And so it's just really good for us to be around these truths that we know, but to hear them again and to be freshly envisioned in this way. And I guess that's really what we want to do over this next hour in, in different ways, in different forms. Yesterday, this was a very practical, brilliant, really, if you weren't here, really worth listening to. But I guess today, the focus is more on vision and making sure that we've got that clarity about us as a people, that, that, um, that we're in heart about lengthening, about expanding, about being courageous. And it could be that you're actually one of the pioneers involved in that. It could be that you are someone who's not, but you are owning this in prayer. You know, you're carrying this in your heart, regardless of whether you live in the same place your whole life. This is something that burns in your heart. And so when we go to pray for the nations, you're you're, you're on the front foot. Because you know this is what we are called to together. This is our vision given to us by by our King Jesus. And the reality is it does take courage to move out. It takes courage to leave the familiar. And um, that was unpacked in an extraordinarily authentic and faith-filled way yesterday at the seminar here. Wonderful stories. Um, but the reality is that it does take courage. Something has to happen inside of us. Something, something compelling needs to grip us in order for us to say we are willing to do that. We want to go there. And um, as you know, for the, for the, for the next season... Mike's just asked if I will give a bit of thought, time and energy uh, in terms of looking at how to help to encourage and stimulate um, church planting activity uh, in, the, in the UK. It's not something that we kind of want to lock in and get uptight about geographically, but Mike's just asked, this, for this season, can I, can I do that? And so I'm, I, I'm really, really happy to serve in that way. There's some really exciting things bubbling up in our nation as a family. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the seminar. Um, but for now, really, just, I guess I want to talk for a few minutes about the fact that our nation needs uh, 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 a radical 
experience of church right the way across and church planting activity. Um, I probably don't need to argue that, do I? I probably don't need to sort of give you ten compelling reasons why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. But I, I mean, I'm, I am super excited about what the Lord is doing in our nation. Genuinely, am. I don't know about you, but I found the royal wedding thing was one of those moments where you just think, "Gosh." If you, if, 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 and if you see the interview with, with, with the preacher and the Archbishop of Canterbury on Sky News, it was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, it was the gospel in a nutshell. And you think, God, God, this, this, you, only you could have orchestrated this. I don't know where Harry and Meghan are at, but I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. But I know that God was doing something on that day and stirring something up in this nation and causing people, you know, to sort of say things, you know, like, wow, you almost famous atheists say this almost made me a believer. You know, God is doing something, and it's an exciting time to be in this nation, although at times also heartbreaking um, as well when we see what's going on um, in terms of the way people are thinking, the way people are living, and the statistics. Um, but the job is far from done, and, you know... We've got a great history as a nation. We've seen God raise up extraordinary people and send them out. We've got a wonderful heritage. And I think it's time that we sort of um, unblock some wells. You know, there's this, there's this imagery throughout the scriptures of, of, of wells that get dug and, and water is accessed. And then either through enemy activity or through neglect, they kind of get, they get stuffed. They get, they get covered over. And then, and then there's the, something. There's a new season comes along, and um, and there's an unblocking of the wells. And I feel there's such a helpful image for us as we think about the UK because there are some really deep wells in this nation. God has done extraordinary things down the centuries in this nation. I mean, even you know, even the, the reality is we're standing in a bit of a blocked well. Is the reality? You know, when the Quaker movement started in the UK, um, it was evangelical. And it was charismatic. I mean, if you if you read your history, you find it was extraordinary. Thing. The Quakers have moved a long way from that now, but we're standing in a blocked well. We're sitting. I mean, just consider that for for a moment. There's an extraordinary heritage, and, and so I want to encourage you guys, as we, even as you go away to space, to read up on church history, revival history. Get it. Get begin to pray into the unblocking of the wells because Jesus promised us living water. Jesus promised us that life in the Spirit involves this outflow of living water. And part of what God does in us over these days is he unblocks even our own wealth. You know, we, we come away thinking, oh, you know, the water's flowing in a way that it wasn't a few, a few days ago. I kind of, there's, a, there's, a fresh, there's a fresh flow. And so to be around that and to, and to learn and carry this nation in our heart. And I'm not just talking to those of you that are from the UK. Because there can sometimes be this mentality whereby... You know, New Front is starting in the UK. You know, it can be a, it can be a bit of a, a mentality where those outside the UK, you know, have, have been have been served by believers and leaders and churches in the UK, and that's great. But that's not the end story. That's not the dynamic. That's not where we're going. What what we are looking for are are hubs of activity all around the globe where people are being raised up and are serving their own nation and into the other nations. So you've just got this cross pollination going all the way along. So please do not hear that this is me ranting out just to those from the UK. We need the grace of God that is on you for this nation. Okay? I'm going to say that again, and I want, you to, I want you to imagine that I'm sitting down with you, having a coffee one-to-one. Okay? We need the grace of God that is on you for this nation. Okay? There are some very deep wells that need unblocking, um, and it starts in, sometimes in moments like this where you say, this is a part for me to play. 
Um, and often that will begin in just letting God touch your heart and pray. Um, what else have I got to say? I think before we get into the practicalities in the UK, which I'm going to talk about quickly later, I think I want to just, before I hand over, just say essentially, I guess I am going to be shaking the tree a little bit today and just saying, is for any of you here, you know, sometimes I've found that in my own heart, there have been places, or maybe even just things or themes or people that have always in my heart sort of felt important. They've just been there, and I've not known why. And then suddenly, something happens in your life, and you realise, wow, God, you put, some, you put something in me years ago. And, you know, I, I, you know like maybe you think, I've always been interested in that country. You know, since before I was a believer. Yeah, you know, he just, just always interested in it. I don't know what it was about. And suddenly God opens up and thinks, wow, Lord, this is from you. And I guess I want to just take a moment to say, UK-wise, is there anywhere that's always just been there? Where you thought, I care about that place, that strange little town. You know, I've, I've never even been there, but I've heard that the, I read an article about it once and it's just stuck in my heart. You know, sometimes the Lord uses things like that. I mean, must never despise that kind of thing because all works of God begin there. Begin in the heart, something stirs, and you, you can't quite shake it off. And so, what I want to do now at the end of my slot is just literally get you guys chatting to each other. And this might be a very short conversation for some of you because you know, I've been know nothing, but it's fine. But you only need about a minute anyway, even if you've got something to say. But I'm going to just again talk to someone that you didn't talk to last time. And simply, here's the conversation Is there anywhere in the UK or anything particularly about the UK that's always just been there? Or, or at some point, you read something, heard something, and it went in, and you've not quite been able to shake it off. Because sometimes just speaking that out can be the beginning of the Lord doing something. Is that okay? Brilliant. And then someone else will pick up from me after that. So turn to someone that you haven't shaken to yet. Is there any, any, anything UK is sitting in your heart that you've not been able to shake off? Sitting with one another? Okay. Right. We've managed to uh, send each other to uh, different parts of the country already. Okay, I'm just going to pick up where Steph has left off in terms of uh, our sense of responsibility uh, in the context of vision for the mission of God uh, in the UK and in the nations beyond. Uh, Just out of interest, how many people here have never known anything other than a New Frontiers expression of church life, really. That's been your, your life and your... Hands right up, I just want to get an idea here. Okay. And uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, for many of us, we would have been drawn into the family of New Frontiers over the years. Hey, we're not the, um, uh, you know, God's answer to the world's uh, problems, but, you know, God has given us a very important... Uh, responsibility in part to play in that, along with all the things that God is doing across the nations. I mean, those of us who have been part of the New Frontiers family, you have had invested in you over many, many years uh, a a set of values, a culture, uh, DNA, about you've either been born into that DNA if you were saved into that, or you've been discipled into that DNA. That is a very precious revelation, and uh, you'll have heard me touch on this the other evening. Um, I just want to underline to you how important this is, uh, both here in the UK, alongside all the other very, very beautiful things that God is already doing through many expressions of the church. I don't want to get arrogant about this. 
you know, that would be unwise. Um, but there is something very precious that God has invested in us, that we're stewards of a legacy that we're carrying forward into the next generation. And uh, I've been doing some studies, I won't bore you with that, it's taken me far longer than it should have done. I'm, uh, I'm probably, uh, yeah, no, no, we won't go there uh, about my <laughs> academic failures. Um, but uh, just looking at uh, movement succession, one of the critical elements of, you know, because we've gone through that tra- transition as a movement in New Frontiers, and I had the opportunity to sit down at length with uh, people like Terry and Dave Devilish and say to them, what do they consider to be the critical elements of carrying New Frontiers forward, not just to the next generation, so in other words, you know, us as one generation handing over a legacy to the next generation, but multiplying that across this nation and multiplying this across many, many nations. And uh, there are two factors that come up again and again. And one is that we need to be attentive to our values. And the other is we need to be attentive to our relationships. And uh, I found that incredibly helpful. I mean, you know, if... if if we're asking ourselves why do we need to plant more churches, you only have to look out the window <coughs> in London. You only have to step on the street and stand still for 10 seconds and get mown down by an avalanche of humanity, uh, the very great majority of which uh, you know, are not considering God or Jesus in their, uh, their, their daily reckoning. I mean, man alive, you know, the mission is out there. You know, I don't need to convince you about that. But there's something about the quality there's something about the culture, there's something about the, 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 the shape of that which God has put upon us as very, very important. So DNA is best transmitted in loving relationship. And any parent here will be able to tell you. So. <laughs> okay. uh, I'll leave that with you. And uh, it, the, same, the same applies spiritually, that out of the context of a culture of, of dear brothers and sisters in Christ... We're looking to not just only to see people saved, how wonderful that is, but that Jesus set the bar much higher for us. You know, he didn't just say, hey, go into all the world and get people saved. He said, go into all the world and disciple them and teach them everything I've commanded you to obey. You know, he's, he's very specific about that. And Paul is very specific about that. And the New Testament is very specific about that. And so we have this charge upon us, you know, to... Uh, <coughs> change the expression of Christianity in the world today. An amazing thing. What an amazing privilege and an amazing honour. You do not realise how precious and valuable what you carry is. You don't realise it until you get an opportunity to go to uh, other contexts and places where they have not had the opportunity uh, to be exposed to these things. So it's amazing talking to Tom about America and saying there's such a need to plant churches out there. The America, they're full of Christians. They're all Christians there, aren't they? <laughs> Maybe not. But why do we need to plant churches in America? Well, because there's something precious about the DNA that God has invested in us that will be a blessing to the kingdom of God and the church of God out there and discipling people into that. So I just want to urge you to ponder this, that you, know, you have had invested in you through discipleship or being born into this, something very, very precious. You know, we being a word-based church is very precious in our day. There's a lot of pressure on churches in our nation to just sort of back off a little bit from courageously preaching the word of God, uh, because you know it's not very, very acceptable to our culture. It's going to be, you know, we're going to get in trouble. Some of us might end up in prison just by. I mean, I, I read a passage of scripture the other day in the Bible 
And I said, I don't think in my country it's lawful to preach, to, to, for me to read this passage of scripture to you. I don't think it's lawful anymore. You know? Actually, because it's saying things here that I don't think <laughs> are acceptable to my culture or to my legislation in my culture. So, building churches that are fearless in preaching the word of God and bold and courageous in this uh, is part of our DNA. Churches that love the grace of God. Yeah, churches that really understand what it means to minister out of the pleasure of God, not always be striving to gain the pleasure of God. You know? Man, you're used to that. I tell you, there's many, many nations where that is such a precious and rare experience for people. Yeah? Churches that love the lavish presence of God, the weight and the glory of God, just last night, just to sit under an avalanche of presence and glory. You know, to people gather together just to be refreshed by the, the weight of the glory of God. You know, to gather people to the presence and for them to be exposed to life applicable, you know, searing uh, biblical exposition. I mean, what a beautiful privilege it is to do that. And uh, to have a mature expression of how we minister and uh, nurture the culture of the presence of God is so important in the nations that we're seeking to reach. So just being word-based, grace-filled, spirit-empowered is a precious legacy that we have got to carry to this nation and to many other nations. And it's not the common experience of many, many who are seeking Jesus in the nations. Beyond that, churches that have the beautiful culture of a family, that have a, a, a beautiful sense of servant heart among us. It's not sort of leadership is something to be promoted to in a you know, so that you can then lord it over people. But there's this sense of no, you know, leaders here, they honour one another, love one another, they prefer one another, they're here to serve. They're, they're not the first, they're the last. They're here to serve people and bring them into their uh, beautiful, mature relationship with Jesus and into the fulfilment of their own personal destiny. This culture is not common in many, many expressions of the church and nations around the world. If I'm speaking arrogantly, please... Uh, you need to know me better. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not my heart at all. I'm just saying, look, you know, if God has given us something precious and important, and we, man, we've got to take responsibility for this. Yeah. Understanding what it means to... <laughs> thank you, brother. Understanding what it means, you know, to release the full uh, potential of Ephesians 4 ministries. It can sound like a little bit of a buzzword, you know. But if you read it and understand that for the church to attain to the full stature of Christ... And stand up as a mature man, the church of Jesus Christ needs to take advantage of mature outworking expressions of apostolic ministry, prophetic ministry, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And we need to raise these up in all the nations of the world to take responsibility for their mission to their people in their tongue, in their language, in their culture. They can work out how to do it. They can know how to sing their songs. They know how to care for their people. But this DNA, we have got to invest it. In, in the, it, whenever God gives us opportunity in the nations and cultures of, of the world where the door is open. Uh, so I want to tell you, there's more I could say, 
you know, about the, the love for the local church. There's more I could say about holistic mission that we are looking to be missionally effective in all arenas of society. There's more I could say about allowing people to have the freedom to apply that in their own culture. They know how best to do that. You know, I don't want to plant churches in other cultures. I want to encourage those who can and say, well, you know how best to reach your people, you know. And so uh, for, for the mainland of Europe, which is a door of opportunity for us, that's really, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to find men and women who are starting to read the Bible for themselves in this way. So that's encouraging, coach you, as best we know how, in these values, in this DNA, that out of our loving relationship, you can go and plant beautiful churches uh, and make beautiful disciples and see the mission of God flourish in your nation across the mainland of Europe. And so you... Folks here have an opportunity to play your part in that. I'll be talking about the practicalities of that shortly. But if uh, to boil it back down to that initial point of what what is the mission of God, it is it's, it's multiplying, you know, our reproducing after our own kinds. It's multiplying this precious legacy. Don't despise it. Don't try and re- deconstruct it. Honour it. Be grateful for it, that the Word of God is, is our final authority in matters of faith, that we want people to be saturated with the glory of God, that we want people to know what it means to live in the liberty of the grace of God, and that we're part of these beautiful servant-hearted families that are looking to serve one another and serve our communities and serve the nations. And This is a precious legacy, and you are part of the story in carrying that legacy forward to your generation uh, to the next generation and to the next town and the next city and the next nation. And we're, we're saying, please come with us on that journey. And now we're going to tell you a little bit more about what that means practically. So, Steph, do you want to come and talk a little bit more about the UK? Brilliant. So, um, this is just a, an opportunity to, I guess, unpack a little bit of the landscape currently for us as a family in the UK um, and opportunities, I guess, essentially, in terms of developing um, your own self and maybe exploring what it might look like to be involved. One of the first things I'd say is, is that um, on the lead course that we spoke about last night, we, there, is a, there is opportunity to be, to be coached and mentored by current Relational Mission Church planters. And what we try and do when people come on lead is we try to find out what area do you particularly want to be developed in. And so although there's, there's the broad theological foundation everyone's getting, also there's, there's an element where it's tailored. So if you feel the stirring to plant and be involved in planting, then you will be connected into a huddle um, with others who feel the same way, feel a similar stirring, and you'll be connected to someone who's doing it, someone who's in the coal face, and then there'll be, there'll be interaction over those two years on like a, uh, sort of like a Skype huddle where you're building relationship with someone who's doing it, and you're learning about it, and you're reading books about it. So that's, there's an opportunity there um, to develop in that way. Um, so where are we at in the UK currently? Well, we've got, we've got some great plants underway in, in places like Colchester, where Hughes um, leading the charge, and Newmarket, where Joe, I think, I don't know, is Joey here today? And somewhere else, Joe's leading the charge over in Newmarket. So we've got, some, we've, got some, we've got some plants that are in places that are, how can I put it, they're not, they're, they're not in a sense, um, in the immediate vicinity of a, of a church planting church, if that makes sense. It's not like they've come out of a, um, of a close geographical um, hub, um, although they've all been sent by other churches. But then there's also things starting to bubble up in a very sort of exciting grassroots way, 
whereby, I guess what we might call resource churches, churches that seem to have been graced by God to, uh, to be numerically on the larger side and to be sort of stuffed with kind of um, a disproportionate amount of, uh, of leaders and leadership gifts are starting, to, are starting to really explore some exciting developments with regards to planting. Canterbury would be one of those. There's exciting momentum going there now, coming out into Sheppey and into Whitfield and planning to other places. But there's a, there's a resource hub there now in that city that's starting to... There's a momentum gathering there. It's important that you know and hear about that. You may be connected with people that think about where should they go to uni. Um, you send them to Canterbury, they'll be in sense somewhere where there's a momentum really starting to stir now in terms of how do we take responsibility for this area around us. Now the churches in Norfolk, uh, some of those are starting to just gather and pray. How, how can we together own planting in this part of the country? And, and so that's very embryonic, very initial stages, but it always begins in prayer, just being before God. But there's a stirring, there's key leaders coming together now saying, hey, we want to go again. We've planted some brilliant churches in Norfolk over the last 10, 20 years, but we feel like we want to go again and we want to do that. The guys over in Chapter 100 in Essex, wonderful, big, diverse churches. I don't know how many nations are in that church. You've really got to go along there one Sunday. It's extraordinary. They're, they're, planting, they're planting site after site. I think, I think their, what's in their heart is that they would love those over time to develop. Um, into autonomous churches. I think that's, I think that's what's in their heart. But they're, they're pl- currently at the moment planting sites there all around that sort of Essex, um, London, London M25 um, area there. It's a very exciting place, um, place to be. Um, here in London, um, we, we, we feel God's calling us to, to, to take responsibility for this city. So we've got currently one, what we're calling the gospel plant. What's a gospel plant? What's a church plant? Basically, what we, what we, we use this phrase gospel plant because we're essentially sending people into new areas and we're saying we don't want you, we don't, we don't want you to be um, concerned in the early stages about money, about finances, about becoming self-sustainable. About, we just want you to go there and reach people. And we would love to see churches come out of evangelistic harvest. Um, now that's not the only way to plant a church it's just the way we've decided we want to do it we, want to, we feel peace about doing it that way in London um, just saying getting communities of people living in a certain area and, and, and dropping into the soil and really loving serving, proclaiming Christ, praying for people seeing what the Lord does and seeing churches that come out of that so we're at the beginning stages um, of that you probably know that our history as, as, a, as, a, as a family is very much in the east uh, of the UK, we've got, I, th- I think, my, my facts are right here, I think in the UK we have, if you were to look at the map of the UK, I think Relational Mission has one church that's not over the, over the sort of uh, east, either in terms of East Anglia, Cambridgeshire, London, Kent, and that's up in the borders of Scotland, um, just sitting there, flourishing beautifully, a really wonderful client. A few years ago now, got elders doing an absolutely wonderful job there. But I, I, I'm feeling stirred about the Swades, Scotland, Northern England, Cornwall, Devon, Wales, Northern Ireland. These, these places need us. As Nora said, not because we are the answer, but because we're part of the answer. And so I, 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 now I feel a particular call to cities. Um, it's, it, it, it's not, it's not a, like a, there's, there's no theology, but it's a prophetic calling in my life to cities. That's why. And so I guess the way I'm probably going to, one of the primary ways I'm going to express what Mike has asked me to do in the UK is I'm going to say I think it would be great 
to hit some cities. What Paul did sometimes is that he would go to a city, and then through that city he would reach into the areas around it. So you see he's in Asia for two years, and then he says, I preached the gospel in the whole of Asia. He's in Ephesus. He said, I preached the gospel. You think, well, no, you're in Ephesus. But he's reaching people in Ephesus who are going back into the surrounding environs and planting churches. And so I, I, I just feel stirred. You know, I'm big, talking about Liverpool. I, I can't even tell you. I literally I just feel it's a stirring from God. There, there may well be other cities that are on, that are on your heart. And I guess I'm just I'm, I'm shaking the tree. I'm stirring the pot. I'm, all those different sayings to basically say, why not? Why not? Wouldn't it be wonderful in the next few years when we look at the map of the UK to see a few more hotspots where we go, we just weren't there. We had no presence there years ago. Now there's communities. And it could be that God stirs a load of us for one place. And you say, we're going really, we're gonna, we're gonna, to we're gonna do a church plant there. You know, we're going we're gonna to resource that in a big way from day one because of just the amount of people God's stirring for that place. But at the same time, I'm sure there'll be gospel plants here, there, and everywhere as well where God calls a, a few. So well, there's, a, there's enough there. There's enough there to start a, a community, uh, a missional community of some sort. So essentially... I guess the opportunities are, are growing in our current areas. I wanted to draw your attention to some of the places where there's, there's a growing momentum, there's, there's some exciting stuff happening. Also in Kent and Medway and around that sort of area, there's a, there's a growing sense of grassroots ownership for planting around those towns. Um, and to be honest, it's, it, it's kind of, I, I, there's, there's something going on whereby I think that it'll be quite hard soon to point to an area that we are where there's not something bubbling away because it's contagious. Once people start realising, actually, we can take responsibility before this. We've already been commissioned. We haven't got to wait for a commission. It's a commission. Now we've just got to ask the Lord for where would be the best place to start. So that's currently where the opportunities are. And I would, I'm pleased to contact me, however you want to do that, email, Twitter, whatever. please get in touch with me and let's just be talking. Let's be praying. Let's see what God's doing. I'm really excited about being... Um, I, particularly, I guess, some sort of point person for, for new areas in this next season. and Because, you know, it may be that you talk to me about somewhere and then someone else does it. Oh, God's actually, I, we, can, we can join the dots here. Something's happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. Brilliant. Great. That's me done. Okay, just speaking about opportunities on the mainland of Europe, in particular at the moment. I mean, there are other continents for us to reach, but... Uh, one continent at a time, sweet Jesus. You know, let's try. The door, the door is open in, uh, in, in Europe for us at the moment. Lots of opportunities that exist there. How can you be involved with that? Well, number one, build a great church where you are, okay? Build a buzzing church where you are, because we need many people and many resources that, that are going to be released and sent. So uh, in order to do that, we need to make sure that we're drawing up great strength where we are and we're building quality where we are. So you, if you don't feel called to go... Uh, you know, well then you've got a massive part to play in building the base that will send, okay? Uh, so build a brilliant church where you are. Model the values where you are. Number two, if you've got anybody in your church that's not from your nation, become their friend, right? Become their friends. Disciple them into these values so that they may one day go back to their own nation and carry that with them, okay? So please do that. Please consider that. Thirdly, is a bit more of a mountain to climb, Okay? Part of our heart, I mean, I absolutely love international English-speaking churches in the nations of the world. Brilliant. We need them. Fantastic. Do it. We need equally many, many churches 
the, the native language of the nations that we're trying to read. Okay? So, now, anyone here from England, I have to just say to you, <laughs> that in order to be effective, no, you put your hand up there, man, you're, you're in trouble now, because in order to be effective, <laughs> you didn't hear what I was about to say, consider learning a second language. Don't ask me. <laughs> How many people here who are not from England? Hands up. Not from England. How many people here who are from a non-English first language speaking nation? Well, you're here because you've learned a second language, aren't you? So thank you very much for learning a second language. And you're among us. Uh, but to serve the opportunities on the mainland Europe, you can serve them in English, you can, because all these people have learned our language, and we should be humble and a bit embarrassed about that. But if you want to really disciple men and women in their culture, then you need to speak to them in the language of their heart. And so I want to encourage you, if you're considering ministering the gospel in another nation, uh, think now about learning a second language. Do it for fun anyway. I met a guy <laughs> the other day, he said, I'm learning Russian. I said, well, well, how are you doing that? I said, I'll just teach myself Russian. But then you Duncan. I said, well, that is fantastic. There's an awful lot of people out there that speak Russian that I'd like to introduce you to. You know? And uh, so I do think that we are you know, looking for people who are that committed to the mission of God that they would consider learning the language. And that's uh, a tough challenge, but I want to encourage you. It doesn't mean that you can't serve uh, the nations of God if you haven't got a second language. Uh, exhibit A is <laughs> but I'm just saying, man, if I had my time again, you know, I would be looking to uh, become conversant and fluent in another language. So we've got opportunities in the Netherlands uh, for Dutch-speaking people. If you don't speak Dutch, they are very, very gracious and kind, and they will include you and eventually, infe <laughs> eventually infect you, infect you with their Dutch throat disease, and uh, you can. You can <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and you can serve the mission of God as we're planting there into Gouda as Sebastian is looking to break open opportunities in Rotterdam and there's other situations that are opening up for us there in the Netherlands. In Germany, we've got uh, a bilingual church in Frankfurt. Great opportunity to go and serve the mission of God. Looking to build uh, one of these hub churches that Steph was talking about. We need to develop hubs of resources. You know, we're, we're praying that God will give us hubs of resources in the nations of Europe that are going to send many people and much money to the mission of God beyond. Uh, so there's opportunities there in Frankfurt. We've got a German-speaking church plant led by a German who speaks German in uh, Brunsbüttel, a uh, beautiful market town in the north of, of Germany. There's opportunities to serve the mission of God there. There's other things that are going to open up there. We've got opportunities in Sweden, in Stockholm, in Malmo. Again, these people are very able to accommodate those of us who don't yet have a second language, but it's a great context in which you can learn another language and serve the mission of God in those places. We've got opportunities in a number of other nations, in Lille, in France, in the uh, Czech Republic, in uh, Poland, in Serbia, in all these other places that God is opening doors to us. Uh, but my appeal to you is that in these places you will be most effective if you will humble yourself and take the time to invest in learning the language of their heart. And that is how you will best serve them. So. These are the opportunities that exist. There are other doors that are opening up for us in America, in the Middle East, in the Far East. You'll hear about those in due course. But if God has put mainland Europe on your heart, 
come and speak to us, we can find opportunities to connect you with that mission and we'll give you some very practical opportunities about that at the end of our time together. But now I just want to introduce uh, Hugh, who many of you will know, who's been on a rampant church planting mission in Colchester and he's just going to share a little bit about what vision in practice looks like and bring some reality for us in uh, his experiences. So let's welcome Hugh to come and talk. I'm not sure what rampant looks like, but hey. Uh, I am a church planter, so I have taken a photo of everyone in the room, and I might well be in touch. Um, although GDPR will probably prevent that. Um, these are some of my favorite settings, because I was uh, born into a non-Christian family in Zimbabwe. Um, I should be statistically a third-generation alcoholic from a broken family, but because someone from the UK, Queen's Barrister, gave it all up, went to Zimbabwe, started ministry there. I get to know and love Jesus and be on rampant ministry in Colchester. <laughs> so praying some of that happens today. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in Colchester, a little bit about the journey and what's fueled our vision and how to try and maintain vision in the day of small things. So we planted there 2015, been going for about two and a half years. My wife and I, two kids landed there. One other couple joined us at the end of the summer. Um, now we're gathering between 50 and 60 on Sundays, which is fantastic. Um, and we've seen a couple of people come to get saved, wandered away, longing for that more. But what we do get is a lot of students coming who have come from backgrounds, and their repeated story is, I've never really grown until I've come to be in this church. And uh, say that with all humility, because that comes back to being word and spirit people. And yesterday, last night, I had the privilege of seeing some folks. I just sat there crying as young folks in our church who have come to get grounded in God's word, were freed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. And know that charismatic isn't just about having a band at church now. A lot of our students think that. Ask them, what does charismatic mean? It means you've got a band and the preacher's a bit exciting. So um, we've had the privilege, really, of gathering people from that. And now we're uh, at a university where the 140 nations of the world are represented. So over 70% of the world come to us, which is fantastic. And 22% of them are from the rest of the world and 14 from Europe. So our vision is expanding as we go. But when I first went, people said, what's your vision? And to be brutally honest with you, we loved where we were in Whitstable. It was fantastic. And we went to Colchester out of pure obedience. So in the early days, people said, what's your vision? And I was like, I don't know a specific vision. But in fact, the more I think about it, the vision that will fuel you over the long term is about the kingdom of God. You know, I think every, every vision is a rewording with maybe a little bit of focus on particular elements that God's called you to for your church plan. But it should be the Great Commission or something like that, at least. That God has um, called you to. We've already had the privilege of sending people to South Africa, Dubai, Switzerland. Um, and not all of those are just graduates this coming year. We've got people going to Mexico, people going to Malaysia and Hong Kong. Um, and they are people who have deliberately said, because we're trying to, from day one, be a, a sending church, catch people up in mission, have deliberately said, I'll put my yes on the table and ask God where he wants it to be. Um, so that's kind of, it's a painful thing as a little church because we're saying goodbye to people a lot. And half of them are leaving anyway, but you know, that's, that's okay. We, we get to send them. Um, but we're deliberately trying to foster that culture. And so I just want to share some thoughts on kind of vision-wise. The single greatest thing that I help you with your church planting is to love Jesus and long for his glory. I remember when I was 16, sitting in a church in Zimbabwe, 
got caught up with the idea of the church being established as the chief of all mountains, that the nations would come to and worship God on. And that single thing has kept me going ever since then. That's my vision for the church, that it becomes significant where it is, whether that's big, large, or whatever it is, but to the glory of Jesus. The more you love Jesus and long to be with him, the more you live for them, the more you want to do stuff now. So Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come. Unless you taste what that kingdom's like, the more you taste it and the more you are fueled by it, the more you realize the brokenness here, and the more that prayer is like, God, let that kingdom come here. I mean, that's what the Hebrews faith heroes did, didn't they? They lived for another world. Some of them died without having received what they wanted, but their faith was vibrant because they loved and longed for Jesus and his kingdom. Foster that in your hearts. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. There's something Paul said, if I am to remain in the flesh, if it's up to me, I want to go and be with Jesus. Foster that in your heart. But if I'm to remain in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for you. If you've got breath in your lungs, God is sovereign. That means fruitful labor for you. I think the second is understanding the kingdom. This helps me. I'm so future orientated. Today feels like yesterday, and I'm thinking about what's next. But the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Isn't it? it starts really small. Eden was one part of the earth. Jesus was this little kid one day. But it grows and it expands to have dominion over the earth, to become the savior of the world. The kingdom of God is a mustard seed, but its finishing destination is a beautiful large tree where all the creatures come and find home. I think if it feels like a mustard seed, it's okay. <laughs> but the other side of it is that the kingdom of God will increase of his Increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And no lesser than the zeal of the Lord of hosts. And just think about the zeal, the oomph, the unction, the rampant, if you like, zeal of Jesus will do that. So I just learn about the kingdom and reconcile in your hearts that it starts small, but whatever it might look like, it grows, it grows large. And in terms of kind of keeping your heart in the day of small things, so I left, I was an elder at a church of probably around 400 at that time, multi-sites, uh, on the external size-wise, it was all exciting. You go to uh, Colchester and there's five of us in the front room. And the thing that keeps you going is you try and push through all of those externals, focus on Jesus, but you've got to guard your heart, haven't you? Desire fulfills the tree of life, hope deferred makes the heart sick, above all else, guard your heart. <laughs> For the wellspring of life. Become masters of guarding your heart and making sure you don't lose desire and you don't get heart sick. You don't dial down the desire to protect your heart, never. Because our desire is defined for us in the Word of God, this expanding kingdom that will cover all the nations. And, but our, we don't allow our hearts to get sick. We guard our hearts. And part of how we guard our hearts is we believe the promises of God. Um, in Zimbabwe, growing up, I was part of various kind of expressions of Christianity. And on the one extreme, you had the faith, name it and claim it world, where you just didn't entertain failure. You know, you, you could be in a church of five people for three weeks, but you're still saying it's changing the world that day. And things like that. You just believe the best. Uh, that's not how believing the promises works. Believing the promises is what you do with Abraham. You look and you think, there's the reality, God. You know, I'm old, I haven't had kids for, I'm in my 90s now, I see no way of this happening, but I still believe. It's the brutal honesty of where you are now, and saying, actually, I'm not defined by that, I'm defined by the promises of God. So that alone maintains your vision in the day of small things, and get a grasp on the sovereignty 
and the grace of God. I don't know how people survive without a vibrant grasp of the sovereignty of God. I, I just don't know how you do it in the world that we, we live in. He apportions times and places where people live that people would feel their way to God and know him. Wherever you are, he has people apportioned to be saved. He wants the whole world to be saved. 1 Timothy 2. So I, I, I dwell on the sovereignty of God. You know, it makes you work hard and sleep well. Um, and then finally, expose yourself to apostolic ministry. So we have 25 people from our church point here at this conference. We've thrown as much money as is needed to get it. Because what you can do exposing people and yourself to apostolic ministry will just expand everything else um, that you are doing. So any opportunity you get to be a groupie, as Mike put it, or however it works, get along. Get your budget having apostolic ministry coming into your church. If you find it awkward and you're not an apostle or a prophet or apostle, just talk talk like you are because, you know, uh, uh, you're teaching God's word anyway. You know, so I, 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 when I'm speaking at church, I feel like a fool sometimes. I'm thinking, we're talking as if we're changing the world. Um, but look around us. But actually, we're just proclaiming God's truth and we're expanding people and we're calling forth the faith that's in them. So practically on the ground, two and a half years in, it's encouraging, it's steady, we long for more. I think the more you get, the more you long for. I don't know how you ever actually arrive, but we're enjoying it. And if you want to go church planting, come and join us. If you want to help others go church planting, come and join us. I'm done. <laughs> Mark, Mark, where's it gone? There you are. Mark's just going to give us some very practical things that we can uh, uh, we can engage uh, church planting mission and relational mission with. So let's welcome Mark. Here he is. Thanks, everyone. Okay, so um, what we're trying to do is give everyone in all our churches the opportunity to go on mission, whether they're called to go for the long term or whether they would benefit from a taste of a pioneering situation. And I think what we've discovered at Hope Church in Ipswich is if you give people a chance to meet the pioneers and see the context that they're working in, it changes everything. You know, the heart to pray, the heart to give, the heart to, to go again. Um, you know, that support base, those supply lines to those who are out there on the front line, that's what we're trying to firm up and to establish. So, we've got three ways I want to talk to you about. So, um, down on the Pioneer display downstairs, you'll see there's a big map downstairs in the corridor on this side. You, um, do go down and have a look at that. And um, if, you're, if you're seeing other people milling around there and you're one of the people who kind of knows a little bit about pioneering and relational mission, talk to them, see what they're, they're thinking. Because what we're trying to do is get every church engaged. So, we've got this little leaf that says engage your church. We're trying to get every church as much as possible, um, thinking, well, how can we relate particularly and, um, and intentionally with church planting situations? So we just want to help churches do that. Secondly, um, we're running some mission teams. So they're very, very simple, these. Um, we just get people together and go for a weekend to a church planting situation. Um, each one's a little bit different. We try and arrive um, at a time when it works for them. So it's usually some sort of conference or event they're running that um, 
really bless them to have a, a number of people there to look after the kids while they get into the sessions or, um, or go out like we're doing in Frankfurt in a couple of weeks' time and, and, and just be on the streets with T-shirts and, you know, that, that sort of thing. So each one's a bit different. We've got three lined up for, for the, the autumn term. So we've got Malaga, Latvia and um, Stockholm. So those, those three, we're, we're, we're just working on at the moment. So you can get people to sign up and register interest for that, or you guys can do that. And, um, and we'll get people out there to see, to see the actual pioneer situations and develop their heart for the nations. And then we've got the final thing is, if you guys or you know of anyone who um, really feels God has called them, we're running what we call a call-to-go event in September, 28th to 30th of September, and this event, um, run by Morris and Mike Frisbee, is going to prepare and help people just clarify their call, just walk through with them things like, what are their strengths? You know, or, you know, make sure they're in the right place, they're doing the right thing. Clarifying their call, researching the route ahead. You know, this is preparing people to healthily and effectively engage with the call God's put over their life. And so it's a real opportunity um, to get people you know who've been called, or if you feel that call, then get people on this event. So there's just three ways, um, engaging churches, getting on a mission, or getting to this event. Okay, is that, that cover things? And if, um, if none of those apply, but you, you just want to register your interest, please let us know. We can keep you informed about uh, things that are happening and things that are going on. Uh, we'd just love to know that you're out there. And as I mentioned the other night, if you do have a second language, it's just really helpful for us to know, because sometimes we go to another nation. If we have someone who has that language, we can take with us. It's very, very helpful. We've just got two or three minutes left. If anybody has any question for myself or Steph or Hugh or Mark, uh, please uh, take the opportunity. Any, any questions just to clarify or expand on anything we've just been saying before we close? Okay. Let's stand. I want you to uh, find a brother or a sister near you. And I just want you to pl- pray a fruitful blessing on them for the mission of God, wherever God may take them, where they are, where they may go, uh, whatever the future may hold for them. Just uh, bless the fact that they're here and that their heart is for the mission of God and say, God, let it grow and burst and be ever so fruitful uh, where they are and wherever God may take them. So lay hands on a friend and bless him now in the name of Jesus.